you asked the million dollar question, what's the difference between empaths and empathy? What makes an empath different than a person who, has, who just has empathy is that where, and as well as people with sort of paranormal abilities like telepathy or they're psychic or a medium or just intuitive, is that unlike these other things, empaths process information as if it's their own. And so empathy is the ability to perceive somebody else's experience and to imagine what they are going through. But empathy understands that you're not the person who's going through that, that you're not the one who's enduring that experience. Whereas empaths sometimes will be so overwhelmed by their sort of porousness and their lack of emotional and psychic filters and shields that they will actually absorb the energy. But then instead of being like, oh my goodness, I'm picking up all this sadness or I'm picking up all this fear that is coming from outside of, of me. Welcome to Unleash Thyself, a podcast dedicated to exploring the depths of personal transformation, self-discovery and spiritual awakening. I'm your host, Constantine Moron, and today we have the pleasure of welcoming Jennifer Moore, a renowned expert in empathic sensitivity and a guiding light for intuitives, light workers, and creatives alike. Jennifer, an Amazon best-selling author and one of only 115 emotional freedom technique international master trainers in the world, brings a wealth of experience to our conversation. Her book, Empathic Mastery has won four awards and is a testament to her profound understanding of empathy and sensitivity. Jennifer also hosts the popular podcast, The Empathic Mastery Show, bringing her insights and wisdom to a global audience. In today's episode, Jennifer will delve into the critical differences between being an empath and having empathy, the superpowers hidden in empathic abilities, and how to embrace and heal as an empath. We'll explore the fascinating intersection of psychic abilities and empathic sensitivity and the societal awakening to these profound experiences. We'll also discuss her perspective on the interpretation of feelings, the narratives we construct around them, and the importance of gratitude in our own lives. So buckle up for an enlightening conversation with Jennifer as we dive into the world of empaths, emotional freedom, and the power of sensitivity. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share your thoughts in the comments. Your engagement helps us continue to bring these beautiful and empowering conversations to you. Let's begin this journey of empathic mastery. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unleash Thyself. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Moore. Jennifer, it's such a pleasure to have you with us on the show. Thank you so much, Constantine. I'm so excited to be here. And I appreciate you pronouncing my name the way I try to pronounce it. I know it's not easy. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Well, let's tell the audience right away what you specialize in. And I'll, I'll put a uh, spoiler in there, just a quick one, and I'll pass it over to you. You talk a lot about empaths yes. and empathy. And there's yes. a difference between them, which for someone like me in the past... I wasn't necessarily aware of that, and I'm sure most people are not. So with that being said, I'll pass it over to you. Tell us a bit about what you specialize in, and let's take it in whatever direction 
Okay, so I'll just start with sort of that quick little elevator speech, which thank goodness I'm a lot more comfortable with. Because when, if you asked me 10 years ago what I did, I would have been a deer in the headlights. I'm like, yes. I help people get unstuck. <laughs> but I'm the author of the book, Empathic Mastery, a five-step system to go from emotional hotness to thriving success, as well as a number of multi-author books. And I've got another solo book in the works right now. And uh, so I, I love to write. I'm also what a lot of people would call a fairy godmother, and especially I'm a fairy godmother for empaths. And what that means is that I support people who are highly sensitive to learn how to distinguish what's theirs, what's not theirs, how to mm. not just keep on taking on all the thoughts, feelings, energy, and sensations that are coming from the world around them, and to how to go from just feeling completely overwhelmed by all the misery in the world to being able to use our gifts for good, to be able to like direct our focus, direct our energy and actually make a difference in the world. Because in my experience, people who identify as empaths or highly sensitive, or even sometimes just like helpers, spiritual helpers on this planet, we want to make a difference, but sometimes the overwhelm can really get in our way. So before, but what I wanted to start is you, you asked the million dollar question, what's the difference between empaths and empathy? So I'd love to start with a definition of uh, my definition of empath. So first mm -hmm. up, what I want to say about empaths is that this is not a clinical term. There's, if you pick up the DSM-5, you're not going to find some like diagnostic explanation of it. It's actually a term that comes out of pop culture and specifically came out of science fiction. And the word was first coined back in the 1950s with a science fiction story called The Empath. And then it became additionally popular in the 1960s when Star Trek did an episode called The Empath. And basically, the idea behind an empath is that an empath is a being who has the ability to pick up the thoughts, feelings, energy, and sensations that are coming from the world around them. And this is not just limited to picking up emotions or thoughts from other people. This could be picking up from sort of geopathic distress or picking up from the animals around. Like we actually have been dealing with um, mice in my house because it's, it's uh, as of the recording, it's autumn right now. And so all the mice are coming in from outside mm -hmm. and my cats, my two cats got one. And it was just amazing because as soon as I got within a certain proximity of this particular mouse, my heart just started pounding because I was feeling the fear of this mouse. What makes an empath different than the a person who, has, who just has empathy is that where, and as well as people with sort of paranormal abilities like telepathy or they're psychic or a medium or just intuitive, is that unlike these other things, empaths process information as if it's their own. And so, and this is actually where being an empath can actually make it really hard to have empathy because empathy is the ability to perceive somebody else's experience and to imagine what they are going through. But empathy understands that you're not the person who's going through that that you're not the one who's enduring that experience. Whereas empaths sometimes will be so overwhelmed by their sort of porousness and their lack of emotional and psychic filters and shields that they will actually absorb the energy. But then instead of being like, oh my goodness, I'm picking up all this sadness 
or I'm picking up all this fear that is coming from outside of, of me, suddenly they feel it as, as if it's their fear. And going back to that little mouse story, it was really striking how I'd been completely fine. I mean, minding my own business. And then all of a sudden it's like, my husband is like, ah, oh, Jen, the cat's got a mouse. And so I went to find, I went into the, the place where they were, the cats had trapped two mice. And as soon as I came within about two feet of the mice, especially like a foot proximity to the mouse, and I picked one up by the tail to try to deal with it, unfortunately got away from me, or some people would say fortunately, but anyway, I could feel the fear, but it wasn't like I felt the fear as if it was the mouse's. I felt the fear as if it was mine. And that's the thing about being an empath that can be really hard is that sometimes being a highly sensitive empath can actually inhibit our ability to true, have true deep empathy because we're just too caught up in trying to handle the emotions and process all the stuff that's coming at us. Excellent explanation that puts things in perspective for me. It got me thinking about my own situation because that's the one I know best. But I'll save the question for later. I'm, I'm just curious, for someone listening right now, and either they don't identify as an empath or they don't know, how can they look into their life and say, okay, you know what, what Jennifer is talking about actually can apply to my life as well. Because of course you speak the language of empaths, those that have realized their powers and what they, their gifts, but most people I would imagine actually don't realize they have them because like you said, you don't know you're actually dealing with that and you don't know you're actually picking up from someone else and you're calling it as your own. I am just nodding my head in total agreement with you because Yes. And in my experience, first off, I want to say that so many of the people that I have worked with over the years did not necessarily even recognize that name or they didn't feel worthy of it. They felt like, well, that's like a special paranormal ability. I don't have that. But the further we went into it, the more they realized how sensitive they were and how much they were picking up on the energy from the world around them. And so in my experience, one of the very first ways that we can start being like, well, maybe some of what's going on for me is that I'm picking it up from the world and feeling it and processing it as if it's my own. And whether you use the word empath or just highly sensitive to other people, you know, to the energy in the world around me, it doesn't really matter. You know, the title is not as important as the effect of it, what it means to be experiencing this. But what I have found is kind of a dead giveaway for this may be an issue for you, is when you are having a lot of emotional experiences, mental experiences, energy, just kind of feeling out of sorts or weird for no reason at all. Like you get up, life is fine. You have a roof over your head. You've got food in the refrigerator. You've got clothes on your back. You're gainfully employed. Your relationship is fine. There is nothing going on that you need to be worrying about or concerned about and yet you feel like something's off. You feel like something mm -hmm. is wrong. You feel like, why am I so anxious? Why am I so scared? Why am I so sad? Why am I so angry when nothing in my life correlates with this? Now, I will throw in a caveat to this, which is that if you have a lot of um, skeletons in your, in your personal closet and a lot of unreconciled, unfinished trauma from childhood, that can influence it. Because if we're not really aware, if like we're trying to ignore all this stuff, then it is going to show up in an unconscious way. But if you're somebody who's done a lot of work, who's looked at your childhood, has looked at your past, 
who's worked on reconciling this and and still you just have these days where you just wake up and you're just like why do i feel so strange why do i feel so anxious this is often an indication in at least in my travels like your mileage may vary take what you like and leave the rest but this in my experience this is often an indication that you are that you have a lot of empathic sensitivity and i've gotten used to like uh, sadly, here in um, the state that I live in, we had a mass shooting a couple weeks ago. A number of people were reaching out to me and going, I'm feeling something. I Like I had a friend who is not ordinarily super sensitive to things. She was in a state of p- pure panic for days prior to the shooting. And then when the shooting happened, she's like, it's like a bubble pops. It's like, oh, or the pressure cooker, the pressure valve releases. Hey, it's Constantine here. And I want to take a brief moment to truly thank you for being a part of this incredible journey of transformation. You are the reason we are creating this content. I see you and I appreciate you. Your support truly means the world to me. I want to ask you for a small favor. I'd love for you to join our mission by hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a thoughtful comment or review. Your engagement helps others discover these insights, and together we can continue to unlock the power of authenticity and personal transformation. And if you want to reach out directly to me, send me an email at constantine at unleashedyself.com. I value any and all feedback. Thank you for being a part of this movement. Now, back to the episode. It's like, oh, that's what I was feeling. That's what I was sensing. That's what I was was picking up on. Yeah, and as you're sharing the story and your explanation, it got me thinking about people in my life that uh, I've known for quite a while and this could apply to them, which means that those in the audience may have themselves to look at that or others in their life, which means that this, the rest of the story or the conversation that we're going to have is going to pertain to pretty much everyone. So I, I love that aspect. So thank you for sharing that, Jennifer. Now, let's uh, expand on this piece where someone has a feeling leading up to an event that even happens, the bubble bursts. I would imagine that one could develop the skills to look at what's happening with them. And honestly, have a premonition or you know have a vision of the future, but perhaps understand what's going on and perhaps grab some information out of it that can help them either overcome whatever they're feeling or even provide some sort of, um, I don't know, let's say help or assistance to to whatever that is happening so this is complicated because um you know there's and there's a lot of nuance to this to what you just asked about and what you just said because and this is where the difference between being an intuitive or a psychic versus being an empath really comes in Mm -hmm. because we process things as if it's our own we don't always have the ability to recognize the thing that's coming in the same way that somebody who has like the, you know, like psychic abilities where they see something coming. Because a lot of times the empath will feel it and know that there is a sense of distress, but it's not as easy to identify like, oh, this is where it's going. And so sometimes, especially at the very beginning, and I can just speak from my own personal experience, I would experience these emotional premonitions before big major life events or especially large events like 9-11 or, um, you know, there's been just a number of, of times, like even, you know, just recently, the, um, right, before the, right before the outbreak of the war in Russia and Ukraine, I could really feel that. 
I've known, I knew so many people who were feeling the, who really were sensing something right before um, the whole situation in Palestine and Israel. And, but the thing is that what I've noticed is that a lot of us who are, are empaths, where it's like we have this more of this sort of emotional sentience as opposed to this like clairvoyance or this ability to just like be like, oh, I see this bomb in the Middle East or something. We just feel it. And so sometimes the best we can do is just be like, okay, I can sense this energy is coming. I can sense these waves of fear that's coming. I need to really, really, really like batten down the hatches and really turn the focus on peace and grace and love within myself so that instead of being a sponge that's just absorbing the fear and the sadness in the world, I can start being a beacon for calm, love and healing and that I can broadcast the healing instead. But some, you know, where some people with sort of more psychic ability might have the ability to actually identify and, and say, oh, this is coming and it's going to be happening in this location. In my experience, the challenge of being having the empathic ability is that you can feel it, but you don't necessarily know the details of it. And so it's more, so the work gets to be more about just like recognizing the energy and then shifting the energy within ourselves so that we are not amplifying the distress. I can yeah. definitely see that. And my analytical mind and my spiritual mind at the same time, or my heart even rather, immediately got me thinking, there is a reason people can feel that, right? There's yeah. always reason and purpose behind everything, be it spiritual or otherwise, depending on what people believe in. So that got me thinking, okay, so what's the reason behind so many people feeling this? Perhaps it is to get us to, or those people, those empaths, to shift the energy to either lessen the impact of whatever is coming or even reverse it altogether because, you know, we can go very spiritual here, but we understand there's one consciousness, there's one field, we can have impact on that by collectively having specific thoughts. So that, again, got me thinking, is like, okay, so maybe this is what's happening, but people are not trained to realize that, well, to realize they have the power and the second to actually do something with it. Yes, yes, yes. I've been, I, I'm in the process of sort of the, the final stages of editing this channeled book that my guides um, spoke through me and, and gave me about the evolution of us as a species and why <laughs> so many of us are awakening to this empathic sensitivity right now. And I really believe that within every single one of us, there's the capacity for this sensitivity, but some of us were born with a lot more of it, like up front. But more and more, as, as the world kind of heats up and as more and more stuff happens and more and more crisis happens in the outside world, there is, it's sort of like there's less ability to escape it. There's less ability to avoid this. And what my guides have been saying to me is that you as a species are awakening to your interconnectedness and to understanding that you are all one, that you are all part of a collective whole and that you are not separate, you are not isolated and that the choices that one person makes in one part of the world impacts everybody. And so in many ways, where we're at right now is about being able to feel the consequences of our positive actions and also the consequences of our not so positive actions and ultimately coming together. And as you said, shifting the frequency so yes. that we can start making better choices 
And I'll give you a really concrete example of like what this actually can look like in real time, especially as we are in what I believe is, you know, and I imagine you believe, you know, we're in the, we are in the early, we're kind of like, we just entered into hard labor of the birthing of the new earth. And as if you've ever been around a birth, you know, they're not easy. They're messy. They're, you know, there's all kinds of bodily fluids you didn't even know existed. And it's a journey. It's a process. It's, it can be painful. It can be messy. It can be really chaotic. But at the end of it, there's this beautiful baby and there's this whole new chapter of life. But right now, as so many of us are coming into this, like feeling the waves of the birth and feeling all of this happening, it's so incredibly important that we learn how to navigate this birth in a way that does not amplify the distress. But as things are still kind of messy, there are gonna be things where it's not gonna be just like if we just shift our vibration or shift our attitude, everything's just gonna be groovy. Sometimes it means we need to take action. So I'm gonna give you an example. One of my mentees, one of my fairy godmother apprentices, they have done a lot of work, we've done a lot of work on regulating their nervous system, on really being able to recognize what's theirs, what's not theirs, but also in really calming their whole system down. Mm-hmm. And so uh, about a year, maybe a little bit more, maybe a year and a half ago, they were at a track meet for their kid who was a runner. And after the track meet, they had gone to the subway because they live in a city. They had gone to the subway and there was a young woman, young girl who had also been at the track meet and she was dressed in like running clothes. I think she had like track shirts, you know, like a t-shirt and like track Mm -hmm. shorts on and running shoes. And this guy who was clearly a total stranger approached this young woman and went over to her and started to harass her, started to like kind of mack on her and and just give her all kinds of attention that she did not want. And, and it was very clear, my, my mentee could really see this person was on, was, this girl was not comfortable with it. And so what my mentee did is they went over to this girl and they inserted themselves between the girl and this creeper guy. And they started to talk to her like they knew her. Like, hey, I saw you at the meet. You, you're running. You were great. It was amazing. How are you doing after the meet? And what they did was they put themselves in a position where they prevented this man from being able to bring harm or at the very least make ruin this girl's day. And they basically escorted her onto the train. They stayed with her on the train and they made sure that she was safe in order for, and and so that she could just go about her life. And the guy kind of like at a certain point got pissed and just sort of got off at his stop and just kind of like gave, gave them both the hairy eyeball and was done. But this is an example of how when we have control of our energy, then we are in the right place at the right time to be able to intervene, especially during this messy period where it's not just all rainbows and unicorns and sunshine and roses, that there still is like, how do we approach things with love as opposed to how do we approach things from fear? And if their ner- if my mentee's nervous system was not regulated, if they had not done their work, they would have seen the behavior of this other guy and probably would have gotten into a probably would have gotten into fight flight or freeze but most likely as a female 
more likely they would have gotten so triggered and activated, they would have gone into freeze or flee mode, and they just would have completely not been able to do anything to help this person. But instead, because their nervous systems were calm and they were coming from a place of just kindness and love and peace, that's what they were able to bring into the reality of the situation. So it's not just about changing our vibration internally. It's about being able to say no. It's about being able to have boundaries. It's about being able to ask for what we need. It's about being able to recognize, like, I don't have the bandwidth to be able to do this thing right now. Like, this is what I can do. And this is what I can't do. I love all those examples you gave there. And this last one resonates so well because the entire time I was thinking she had a choice to come from a place of fear, maybe yeah. challenge him verbally or otherwise, right? Which would have probably escalated things and nobody would be a winner in the case, right? Or come from a place of love, which is always hard because nobody trains us to do this. And of course, in, in her case, uh, she had the proper uh, training and uh, help. And at the same time, she did, her, she did her work. So I love that example. But if I may go back to the pregnancy, uh, the heavy labor example you gave. What came to me right away when you were sharing that, you know, very visual, of course, but what happens when someone is about to give birth and in labor and everyone that's around it, they know what the outcome is for the most part. The outcome is going to be something they've been waiting for so long. It's something to look forward to. Yeah. They know because that's what they're there for. Yeah. But if we look at the world right now, most people don't know what's coming because they didn't actually look at it yet right so i love that analogy there because those of us that have a good idea that you know things will be okay and things will be fine but it will be messy along the way can look at this a bit differently than someone let's say let's say someone just walks by the nursery room sticks their head in it's like oh that's disgusting i'm gonna walk away right it's the same thing as most people walk today at least in my opinion yeah yes well and i mean thinking about the analogy of birth and what we're going through we're in a really interesting position because now, I mean, the, for one thing, the mortality rate, both infant mortality and, um, and maternal mortality rates with birth are substantially lower than they've ever been before in the history mm -hmm. of, of humanity. As well as we know, we, most people will do, do an ultrasound or do an amnio or something, and they know the gender of their child before the baby's born. But even like you know, 50, especially like 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago, nobody knew what the gender of their child was. That was going to be a surprise in a way that, you know, like you didn't necessarily know as much of what to expect. And, you know, if we go back like 100, 150, 200 years or more, then even the idea of we know that something wonderful is coming at the end was not necessarily the case. The, we hoped that it was going to be a wonderful thing. But for many women, it was a life or death issue. And there was a certain, there was a fairly good chance that somebody was not going to make it to the other side of this birth. And yet the midwives, the doulas, the people who could see the end result and trust, they were the ones who often had the ability to midwife the baby, the new life into the world. And so I think as you're talking about it, it's almost like some of us are in this place where we can see the new world and where we're going and what is coming and the amazing possibility of the life that, that is being opened up as we all focus on the frequency of love, peace, kindness, and healing. But then there are also a lot of those people who are just really scared right now. And yes. our job is to come up to them and say, breathe, 
we are waking up your sleep right i i sort of think of it as some of us are awake some of us are still asleep and some of us are hitting the alarm you know hitting the snooze button over and over again <laughs> and my sense of it is like some of us are here to come up to somebody and whisper and say you are having a dream you're having a bad dream right now but it's just a bad dream it's all an illusion the truth is love and it's going to be time to wake up really soon and you're okay and I suspect that's what you're here to do. I know that's what I'm here to do, is that we're yes. here to say it's okay. We're coming out of a bad dream. We're coming out of, and there are so many reasons why we've been in this bad dream. Some of it is that as human beings, in order to learn, we learn, we, we seem to learn the hard way a lot of the time, you know? We don't necessarily, like we do better, we learn by data, we learn by making, do, trying something out and then discovering it doesn't work in course correcting. But we've also as a species been learning things through contrast, through the idea of good, bad, um, you know, yes, no, male, female, black, white, all of these, du these dualities that have given us the ability to discern, like what really, what, what do we love? What do we care about? But it's like the contrast has become so intense. It's like we just keep dialing up the saturation and the contrast that at this point in time, I think a lot of us are going, we need something different. And what I believe we're coming into is that ability to dial in that frequency of grace, that frequency of kindness, that frequency of peace. And for me, one of the things that I realized and discovered was that in order that that like I had to get over the part of me that thought that somehow if other people in the world were suffering that I needed to be suffering in in sympathy with them that I needed to be that part of my like if I could feel it I had to heal it um, but that also if I could feel it I had to process it for other people and what I've been realizing is that in truth the most important thing I can possibly do is hold on to protect my peace and hold on to my peace and my calmness and my serenity um, like as the most precious thing to me. Because when I am in a current of peace and love and I can broadcast that, like I can radiate that, it's like I contribute to the current, to the frequency of the whole with peace and love. Whereas if I get sucked into the drama, I get sucked into the misery, I get sucked into the feeling the sadness and just go down that rabbit hole, then unfortunately, I'm not contributing to the solution. What I'm actually doing is amplifying this illusion of distress that we are living with right now. 100%. It's like the analogy of you got to put your uh, mask on first before you put it on someone else if you're flying, right? Like exactly. Put a face mask on, get the oxygen, oxygen mask, I guess, no face mask, but you, you put oxygen, yeah, the oxygen you, mask on then first. the next person. And if you don't care of your, take care of yourself, then you can't take care of anyone else. And like you said, you get dragged down with everyone else and then that's it. It's game over in that regard right? right and the second part with the sleep you said that was really cool because if i look at myself for example i, I was uh, in the category of being asleep right mm -hmm. and then i kind of woke up a bit but i was hitting the snooze button for a decade yeah, yeah. and then you know the right people came <laughs> in my life and the right circumstances and environments and i don't know whatever you want to name it 
and I got woken up and I'm like, oh shit, you know, I've been asleep for so long right now. What's going on? Right. right? And I feel like that's like you, you alluded to this, like our job, let's say, for those of us that are in the awakened state is to go try to help as many people that are hitting the snooze button to get up while trying to gently awake those that are deeply asleep. Because what happens when you wake up someone that's in a deep sleep, like normally in life? It's not a good feeling, right? And right. it's going to take them a second to get their bearings. So maybe you get into a state where they hit the snooze button a few times, and then from that state, they go to the full awakeness. I love that analogy. Yes, exactly. You know, and sometimes, you know, I think one thing, I love the idea of remembering that our souls I really, I mean, I personally believe that we we show up again and again. I'm a believer in past lives, and and um, and and just that we, you know, we're we're these immortal beings, these immortal souls, are having a mortal experience in this in this finite human body, um, you know. But sometimes I also really do believe that our soul's evolution is like is is over millennia. That it's like we are in a journey, we are in a process, and some of us will wake up in this lifetime, some of us will not. My yes. dad, my dad, for example, this life, he's, he's now on the other side and is really very awake and very present and easy to communicate with at this point. But my dad, he was, it was like this life, be, this life was a reconnaissance mission. He didn't seem very spiritual. He seemed very pragmatic. He seemed very grounded. He definitely seemed like he was still asleep. And this was a life for him to get information, but it was not necessarily a life where like he was going to wake up. Um, interestingly, it seems to me um, that he actually did wake up upon crossing over, that much of what he was learning, he kind of was able to integrate once he got to the other side. And in his case, part of that is that he had suffered from a very severe traumatic brain injury at the at the age of four that I think had really inhibited his ability. So, you know, we're all going to wake up in our own time. And part of it for me is also knowing that Time and space is an illusion of this reality that we are living in right now. And so even that idea of some people, like the urgency or the hurry, it's like it's all unfolding exactly as it should. We are all evolving exactly as we should. It is painful to see the dumb choices that human beings make. And I also know that like we are, we're in this as a whole. We're in this as a whole planet. Nice. Yeah. And it's unfolding as it should. It is. You're absolutely right. And uh, again, like your example of your father there is powerful because all of us, the way I see it is we come here for a reason, a purpose. We we pick that upon picking whichever avatar we want to jump into or vessel into this life. And I agree with you. You know, we, we have multiple lives. But beyond that point, right, if we again go back to the sleep analogy, because I always like to look at how can we translate these spiritual discussions into something more tangible for people that are not that advanced in their spiritual um yeah journey. how do we make it concrete and you know and i think and that's one of the reasons why i pulled a story about the subway out was because that's a really concrete example of how yes. we can do this but what i would say is that if we taking all of the metaphysics out of it taking the past lives and the karma and the birthing of the new world out of it bottom line is that the way that neuroscience works and the way that our brains work is that we can be, we basically have the ability to be kind of in, in one of two states. We can either be responding or we can be reacting. We can either be in a state where we are regulated or dysregulated. And the thing is, 
when we are in a dysregulated state, when we are feeling fear, when we are feeling anxiousness, when we are getting triggered by things that are going on, where we're reacting to stuff that's happening in the world, what's happened, we, you know, from a sort of brain science-y thing, we've got this part of our brain called the amygdala, which controls our fight, flight, or freeze mechanism. And when we experience stress, that gets turned on and we go into responding to stress from a place of either fighting, fleeing, or freezing, and some cases fawning, like just trying to be really super nice to like get the way. The problem, that works great for five minutes, for 10 minutes, for an hour to kind of get us out of immediate harm's way, that adrenaline surge. But the problem is that it does not work over the long haul because we develop tunnel vision. We develop, we can't see our choices very clearly. We stop being able to decide, like we stop being able, and we're much more likely to do something out of reaction as opposed to out of response. And so right now with all of the stuff that's going on in the world and all of the heartbreaking examples of human cruelty towards other human beings, as well as other living beings on the planet that is sadly happening right now. The thing is that we absolutely need to learn how to regulate our nervous systems so that we are caught, we are not just spinning out in distress. And so from a really, really practical standpoint, what we as a species need to be doing right now, every one of us who has the wherewithal to do it needs to be learning how to regulate our nervous system, learning how to soothe and calm down the fight or flight mechanism within us so that we are not in a state of distress because we make better choices from a place of resilience and resource than we do when we're stressed out. We're much more likely to do something dumb if we are reacting than if we are in a calm state of grace where we are responding. And, you know, some people might be like, well, that's all fine and good, Jen. You're just not experiencing the stress I'm experiencing. But what I would offer as an example are the most highly skilled um, warriors and martial artists in the world are the ones who have the control over their energy systems. They understand that even in the most perilous of situation, if they enter into the situation from a place of calmness and focus, they are going to be able to navigate the whole thing a lot more effectively than if they just go in just like hair on fire and just trying to figure everything out. And I know in my own experience, and I imagine you and the listeners can think of examples in your life where something really intense happened and like this grace just like it was sort of like this grace just kicked in like you were just kind of like in this zen place where you were like you just knew that you needed to like kind of like lead the you know lead the kids out of the burning building or like but there was just that feeling of like okay this is happening and i'm super super calm and i'm going to just navigate this right now and i think most of us have had that experience at least once in our life where we're like wow i handled that like a pro the goal I think for all of us right now is to learn how to get to a place where even when things are really intense, we can still be in a place of peace and grace and calm as opposed to in a place of just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, the worst, you know, the, the sky is falling. And uh, I agree 100% with you. Funny enough, uh, neuropsychology and neuroscience is something I've been delving into quite a lot in the last year. And the idea of response and 
reaction is actually very interesting because if you look at the science behind it, right, the reaction piece comes automatic, almost autopilot, which is usually your subconscious mind yes. acting, acting on it, right, which dictates 95% of our actions anyway, every yes. single day. Yes. While your response comes from your conscious mind. Yes. But if, like you said, if your nervous system in such a way that it's been conditioned to just react, react, react to keep you safe, of course, you're not going to be able to put yourself into the calm state. So what I've realized in my life is that everything that you are feeling at this moment, it doesn't matter if you consider it good, bad, or in between, comes from what? Comes from the thoughts you have. And the thoughts you have come from the environment you're in and whatever you've been cultivating, right? And what does that mean? That means that if you actually change your thoughts or interrupt your thoughts, then the feelings that result can be improved. Yes. Because what happens from a feeling? From a fe- so let's let's actually go back a step. We have thoughts, right? Which will result in a feeling. So let's say my thoughts are that something negative is going to happen. It's it's happened. It's happening now. That's going to turn into a feeling of sadness, agony, whatever the case might be for it. And what results from a feeling? An action, right? And the action or actions lead to a result, which is what people have in their life. More stress, more anxiety, more depression, more burnout, you name it. So if you kind of go back, okay, it starts with the thoughts, which get impacted by the environment and everything else around us, which means that not only do you have to be cognizant of your thoughts, but also where you put your attention to. Because if I'm watching the news all the time and that's my environment coming in with the negativity, it's going to impact everything. So I'm going to be into that flight freeze type of mode all the time. So all I'm happy you went there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's so many pieces of what you just said. Like I could unpack, like I feel like, oh my God, I just opened up a lunchbox and there's this, 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 and this in here. <laughs> um, you know, one thing is that for many of us, because we live in a, so the way that fight, flight, or freeze was designed for us, us as mammals was that we would experience a threat, you know, our ancestors, like a woolly mammoth came along or a saber-toothed tiger came along and threatened us. And we would either fight, we would flee, we'd run away, or we would play dead and freeze if we had no other option. And basically, but the thing was, we would exert an incredible amount of energy with the fighting or the fleeing. And we would burn off the adrenaline that got, you know, that got elevated within our system. So by the time we were out of harm's way, our nervous system had had a chance to reboot and we were okay again. We like we had the amygdala had reset. But right now, the thing is, as human beings, we cannot distinguish between a perceived threat and an actual threat. If we're watching television or if we get a text message from our boss saying, I need you to come in an hour early tomorrow or else, you know, all hell's going to break loose. We react to that in the same way that we would have reacted to having a mob running after us with pitchforks in another lifetime. But the thing is, we don't do anything in modern society to work off that stress. And so what's happening is we're getting these perpetual pings, especially people who like doom scroll and chase distress, like watch the news all the time and, and look for drama that what happens is that then what happens is we're just constantly getting these pings of triggers of distress, but we're not resetting the amygdala. So we're never rebooting. So as a species, we're in this sort of in ever increasing state of like amplifying an exponential growth of our stress. And in many ways, we're just like, it's, we're not 
functioning with our with our stress the way that we used to be able to when life was, you know, when, when we actually ran away from things or fought from something as opposed to just writing some kind of nasty text or, um, you know, just hitting the snooze button on something. So that is that is one thing about it is just the fact that we're living in a new time and we kind of have to understand the way that our brain works and the way that our we respond to stress we have to learn how to respond in a different way than we used to because the old system is just not working the way that that it once did because the 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 stuff that we're up against is not it's just different and it doesn't reset us the same way yeah for sure for sure john yeah. absolutely john 100% and <clears throat> as you're talking there right as we think about the word fight the yes. word flee and even playing dead, right? Like when you just freeze, yeah, freeze, right? All of those actually have a negative connotation. Right. All three words. All three words. However, you gave the example of the subway where the lady picked the fight option. Yeah. Not with love, not with, with fear. Exactly. She and interceded. That's... She didn't fight. She yeah. interceded. She intercepted. Yes. And she did it in a way that was so full of love. That it was just like, and, and it was almost like that man ceased to exist. He ceased to be part of it. She didn't even, con nobody confronted him. She just was like, hey, so good to see you. And it was, yeah, it, it so, was so perfect. So what I mean by that, though, is that we all have a choice in that. Regardless yes, of how you choose do. to approach it from the love or fear side. However, because those words and what we have been taught and, and trained to do, for whatever reason, doesn't matter the reason now, we choose the fear side always, right? When it's about fight, it's about the fear side. It's about fleeing, it's about the fear side. Freezing, about the fear side as well, right? We're not looking at the love side. So as you look at rebooting your system, as you look at that, I, I believe like what your message is as well is, let's look more on the love side and see how can we fight this, for lack of a better term now, with love, right? Because yeah. we know that we cannot fight or let's say we cannot start the war just to end the war because it's just going to perpetuate things. Yeah. So we have to go to the other side yeah. first. Can I offer a, an alternative word to fight would be intercept. That intercept. we intercept with love. And I just remembered another thing I wanted to say about, you know, you were talking about our thoughts and the way that our thoughts influence or like the relationship between thoughts and emotions and just this and then reaction. And I was thinking... In my experience, because I'm also an EFT practitioner, emotional freedom techniques, I'm actually a master trainer for EFT International. And so I do a lot of work with people around just like exploring and examining our emotions. And what I've noticed is that it's not the feelings, it's the interpretation of the feelings. And it's the narrative that we go into. It's like we, it's the, where we get ourselves really bogged down more often than not is in the stories we tell ourselves and the drama that we add to it. You know, sometimes we just feel sad. That's just part of being human. Sometimes we feel scared. That's part of being human. Sometimes we feel angry. That's part of being human. But it's the narratives and the resistance and the like, and just all of the, the stuff we take it, turn it into when a lot of times if we just were like, oh, I just feel a little bit of fear. Okay. It's like, it's just like, clouds in the sky. It's like weather. It comes and it goes. And so what I've found is that for me, it's more about um, dismantling the narratives than necessarily, um, than necessarily 
uh, eliminating emotions. Like for me, it's about just accepting the feelings that, that come with having a human body and then, and not engaging in a story about them, not engaging in, uh, oh, I'm feeling this because this, or this is happening because that, and therefore I have to go and do this thing. Like it's about, you know, and also for me, approaching life from a place of curiosity instead of judgment. Huh, isn't that interesting? I'm feeling this right now. I wonder, like, I wonder what would happen if I just leaned into it for a minute and just let myself acknowledge it, let myself feel it, let myself accept it. Absolutely. Yeah. Love yeah. that, love that, love that. Yeah. Absolutely, Jen. As I know, we're coming here up on the yeah. hour fairly quick. I, yeah, I <laughs> told you it was going to go fast. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So I, I want to kind of go back to what we started about the empaths, empathy. We kind of touched on the subject. Let's kind of wrap it around then and see if someone resonates with what we talked at the beginning. And they're like, you know what? I might be an empath or I might know someone that's an empath and I need to kind of understand this more. What can they do to start understanding if they are one or if someone in their life is and they want to help? Well, I would love to invite them to come over to my world because I have a ton of resources at this point in time because this has been my passion for a while now because I really believe that we need all hands on deck and that right now is a crucial time in our in the in in the evolution of our species and understanding our empathic nature is part of what's going to help us to turn it around. So, I would love for people to come on over. I have a book that I wrote. It's actually at this point it's got it's like a four-time award-winning book. Um, Empathic Mastery, a five-step system to go from emotional hot mess to thriving success. This is 380 pages of love written by me to all people who identify as empaths, but especially to my terrified, anxious, scared, younger, like adolescent and young early 20s self. And um, you can find this book over at empathicmasterybook.com. And I have sort of a system for like finding, you know, if you jump on over to just empathicmastery.com, it will lead you to all of the things. My podcast, which is all about, I interview other highly sensitive people. We talk about all of the different ways that being highly sensitive can impact all different aspects of life. There's episodes on animal, you know, empaths and animal rescue, episodes on empaths and near-death experiences, episodes on empaths and domestic violence, episodes on empaths who are healers, like you name it, we've had a podcast about it. And that's over at empathicmasteryshow.com. And I also have a free Facebook group called the Empathic Mastery Circle, where I teach master classes every single month, free classes just to give people tools and resources. And while I've not been particularly active on it lately, I also have a pretty full tick, you know, I've got a lot of stuff over on TikTok. I've got a ton of stuff over on YouTube and my handle everywhere is at Empathic Mastery. So I'd love awesome. to, if, if I feel like a good fit to you, because that's the other thing. Some, you know, your mileage may vary. I am, I have a particular flavor. And what I really, really want to invite you to do is I don't care whether I'm the person, the go-to expert for empath for you, or you find somebody else that's a good fit. What's really important is finding somebody that resonates with you and then like check them out and work with them. Awesome. Thank you, Jen, so much. Yeah, so we'll put those in the show notes as well. People, um, welcome your way. Um, lovely conversation tonight.
Is there anything else you'd like to add before we let the audience go? Anything yeah, else but, uh, yeah. there's one thing my guides are like, talk about gratitude, talk about generosity. Yeah. And so, you know, you were talking about what do we do? And, you know, we are talking about learning how to calm down our nervous system. But the other thing is that gratitude and focusing on gratitude is one of the most effective and powerful ways to turn our energy around. And, you know, there's a really old, like, you know, just taking in a noticing when we notice we're out of sorts, putting our hands over our heart, taking in a deep breath, and then just asking myself the question, what am I grateful for? And there's so many different formulas you could use. I mean, if you're really in a bad, bad mood, go through the gratitude alphabet. Like, I'm grateful for apples. I'm grateful for beauty. I'm grateful for computers. And go through every single letter in the alphabet until until you're feeling better. But there's also, like, you can do, like, what are you grateful for from the past? What are you grateful for in the present moment right now? What are you grateful for that you're anticipating and excited about? What are you grateful for in the in your physical world? What are you grateful for in your emotional world? What are you grateful for in your spiritual world? Like there's any number of ways that we can approach the gratitude, but just thinking of three things that you're grateful for and really just, I am grateful and really stuff that's also not like you're trying to force it, but that you are truly grateful for where you can really feel like, oh, this, I am deeply grateful. And I will say also that when you notice stress, when you notice things going on in the world around you and you are not part of it, you are not in harm's way, you're not experiencing this, instead of reacting or seizing up or contracting with fear, lean into your gratitude. I am so incredibly thankful that me and my loved ones are out of harm's way with this. I am so grateful that I was spared this experience. I'm so grateful to be living in a part of the world that is secure and safe. I am so grateful to have food in my, to, to, you know, to have food and shelter. Just coming back to like, instead of feeling guilty, focus on your gratitude. And when you have the, after you put the oxygen mask on your face, prime the pump for a better world with generosity. Look at the things that you have available. Maybe it's making, just sending a nice text message to somebody saying, hey, I was thinking of you, I love you. Or, you know, you happen to go through a closet or you happen to go through a bookshelf and you find an old book that you're like, I don't need this book anymore, but this would be perfect for this person. And just passing along the abundance and the grace with generosity. Powerful messages, both of them. I was smiling there, especially. I mean, gratitude and generosity go hand in hand. Yes. I actually have episode 50 for those interested. It's all about gratitude. I actually made an episode dedicated for it because it's been a, uh, a staple in my life for a while now. And it's made a huge impact. Yes. Because when we stop taking things for granted, like even the water we drink, the bed we sleep on, the pillow we use every night, we realize how much abundance we have in life. And then how we can share with that with those around us. And then that brings more abundance into your life. Because once you recognize it and you give as well as receive, more and more will come into your life. So thank you, Jennifer, for everything tonight. It's oh, been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here, Constantine. I'm Con- Constantine. I'm Constantine, like, yes. yes. There we go. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Thank you 
so much for joining us on this exploration of personal transformation. Your presence and engagement are at the heart of what we do, and I sincerely appreciate you, your time and thirst for knowledge, inspiration and empowerment. Please consider showing your support by hitting like, subscribe, leaving a comment or writing a review. Your engagement not only fuels our mission, but also helps others discover these insights. For more daily guidance on personal transformation across the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical realms, be sure to visit our website at unleashthyself.com. You can also find us on Instagram at unleashthyselftoday, TikTok and YouTube at unleashthyself, and there we post daily content designed to inspire and empower you on your journey. If you have any specific thoughts, questions, or feedback, I truly value your input. Or if you'd like to have a conversation with me, or work with me, please feel free to email me directly at constantine at unleashthyself.com. I would love to hear from you. Together, we're building a community united in authenticity and purpose. Once again, thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next time, continue to embrace your true self and live a life on purpose, with purpose. See you in the next episode.